I'm going I'm to date myself with this illustration. Some of you will be able to connect. Some of you won't have a clue what I'm talking about. But for those of you that are about my age, I'm 49 um, and holding, 49 and holding, I can remember getting my first text message ever. How many of you remember your first text message? Some of you have never known life without texting. Now, today, today, I prefer texting. I prefer texting over a phone call. In fact, phone calls, they go straight to voicemail, and I always have an excuse. I was doing something, which is not a lie. I was doing something. I was ignoring your call. That's something that I was doing. I got one friend. One friend, his name is Aaron, and that's the only guy I'll take a call from because he never texts. And I, every time I'm, at, I'm like, okay, what's up? You done messed up, Aaron? But anyway, sorry, key and pill moment. Um, I, I can remember my first text. I, I was riding down the road, and I had my razor. Y'all remember the razor? Uh-huh. Yeah, not a real razor. It was a phone call to razor. And, and it, it said, hi, my name is Andrew. And it kind of was like, my phone has a name. And so when something happens with technology, this is my rule. I always go to somebody 10 to 20 years younger than me and hand them the piece of technology because they know what to do. So I walked in and handed it to a guy, and he was like, oh, yeah, this is called SMS texting. I was like, oh, wow. So, like, you don't have to actually have a conversation with people? He's like, no. And, and for those of you that remember the old school phone, you had the letters on the, and you had, it took you 17 minutes to send the text message, but you got it. Now, today, today texting is more simple. In fact, we have a whole language system built around text messages. In fact, we don't even type out complete words anymore. We just type out abbreviations. Now, if you have an iPhone, it'll autocorrect. You got, you, you got to watch autocorrect. Autocorrect will get you in some trouble sometimes, all right? But, but one of the things that I started thinking about, one of the things that I text the most often to people is I want to let them know if I'm on the way, OTW, on the way. Now, if you type that into an iPhone, um, it'll just spell it out on the way. Because I want people to know, I, I, don't like, I don't like being late. And so if I am late, I, I at least want people to know I'm on the way. Hey, I'm on the way. And, and that way you can hit traffic and the person says, hey, I'm still on the way. Um, you, can, you can get sidetracked. Sometimes you got to stop and get gas, right? And that takes like 15, 20, 30 minutes sometimes. I'm on the way. And I like to let people know that I'm on the way. And I let people know that, and it's good for the person to know, but it's good for me to know, too, because sometimes we get stuck, like I said, in traffic because somebody's windshield wiper falls off, and everybody has to stop and look at the windshield wiper or whatever. Does that frustrate anybody but me? I'm like, dear God, why are we stopped right now? And so, so even when I'm stuck and even when I'm at a place where I'm not necessarily want to be, I can know that I'm, I'm on the way. I might not be where I want to be, but I've let somebody know. I've let somebody know that I'm on the way. Now, the reason I say this is because there's some people in this room today, and there's some people watching online, that right now in life, you're at a place you never thought you would be. If somebody would have told you five years ago that this is where you're going to be today, you would have said, not me, no. That, 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 that stuff happens to other people, but not necessarily to me. Maybe you feel like you're stuck. Maybe you feel like you've been abandoned. Maybe you're confused as to what's going on or what's happened around you. Maybe you feel like you're even being punished or judged by God. But this is what I believe with all my heart today as we start this series out. That you may not be where you want to be, but I want you to walk out of this room or log off today knowing 
that even though you're not where you want to be or need to be, not necessarily, you, you're, you're not necessarily there, but you're on the way. I mean, you might not be where you want to be, but you're one step closer. You might not be where you need to be, but today I want you to know you're one step closer. And instead of having the mindset of this is who I am, this is all I'll ever be, this is all I'll ever do, I'm hoping and praying today that we can walk out saying, I'm on the way to immeasurably more than all I could ever ask for or imagine because that's the God that we have. Not, that one that, not the one that leads us to punishment, but promotion. Now, we're going to start out the entire, I'm going to start out every message with this verse because I want us to get where we're going in mind. There's a guy named Joseph, and he goes on a show called Egypt's Got Talent, and he wins. He gets the golden buzzer from Pharaoh, basically, is what happens. And the Bible says in Genesis 41, 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Now, this is a big freaking deal. And let me tell you why this is a big deal. Joseph was a country boy from the sticks. I mean, jo Joseph wasn't from Egypt. Joseph wasn't even Egyptian. And so for Joseph to be put second in command of the largest empire in the world, that's a big deal. Like, how does that happen? How does Joseph get there? Because a lot of times we'll look at somebody and we'll say, oh my gosh, they, they're they're an overnight success. There is no such thing as an overnight success. I'll guarantee you one thing. If somebody is standing on a mountaintop, they had to walk through hell to get to the top of that mountain. And so, so just looking on the surface, it looks like, oh, my God, that's the life I want. I mean, second in command, I mean, I mean I'd kind of like to be first in command, but if I can't be first, I'll be second in command over the largest empire in the world all the economic resources he could have ever wanted or needed, but his story didn't start out that way. In fact, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 37, and that's where the story of Joseph starts. Genesis 37, verse 2 says this. This is the account of Jacob and his family. Now, we got to pause right here because I can't just skip over that because that's a big statement. Jacob and his family. How many of you know somebody with a jacked up family? How many of you are in a jacked up family? Oh, oh wow, more hands. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, I've got a messed up family. I mean, I, I can't even tell some of the stories about my family until I'm 50. Then I get unfiltered, remember? <laughs> but, but nobody in this room has a family as jacked up as Jacob. Now, some of you put, ah, no, 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 hold on, hold on, let me stop, let me stop. He had four wives. Got you beat right there. <laughs> Got you beat. Okay, and the wives in Genesis 30, uh, 34 and 35 got in a competition about who could have the most children with Jacob. This is like Jerry Springer meets Girls Gone Wild at the beach. I mean, it's, it's un. Now, Jacob was pretty happy about it. He's like, okay, okay, <laughs> guess we got to try again. But, and this is in the Bible, I promise, I'm not making any of this up. This is, I'm reading this going, oh, my God. So he has 12, 12 boys, 12 boys. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having 12 boys? I got a puppy. 
I'm stressed out. 12 boys. Can you imagine going to Target with 12 boys? I mean, if you leave with 10, you still win. I mean, you got the majority, right? <laughs> now, in the birth order, and I don't know if you've ever studied birth order or whatever, Joseph is number 11. So, in the ancient world, the firstborn son, when the father died, he got the most of the inheritance. And the second-born son got the second most. And the third-born son got the third most. And the fourth-born son got the fourth most, all the way down to, to number 11. So, can we agree that being the 11th-born son was not a great position in life? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, that's not what I want to be. I don't want the 11th most. Now, there's always somebody going, well, I'd rather have the 11th most than nothing at all. That's why you have no friends, all right? Because you're that person. Now, Here's, here's what's crazy. If you look at the number 11 in the Bible, the number 11 represents three things on a consistent basis. The number 11 represents imperfection, judgment, and disorder. Anybody, anybody relate to this? Because the imperfection thing, I, I got that down. Like, I've never met anybody that said, hey, Pastor Pete, would you pray for me? Yeah, what, what is it? I'm so perfect. I don't know how to stop being perfect. I'd be like, come here. We got, we got some police officers. We got to get you drug tested. Uh, because, like, nobody in here struggles with being perfect. All of us know that we're not perfect. Everybody knows. In fact, we've got people that remind us of how imperfect we are. Hey, remember that time? No, I'm trying to forget that time. Thank you very much. And then, and then judgment. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail. But every single person in this room, everybody watching online, all of us knows what it, we, we know what it's like to deal like with self-judgment and the judgment of others, right? And then disorder. Oh, my God, that, that's my life, disorder. Disorder. If I don't write it down, it don't get done, right? And, and there are so many people here today that you feel like you are the model for imperfection. You live under constant judgment. And your disorder. That's where Joseph was in the system. Now, we keep reading, and, and the scripture tells us, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, remember when you were 17? God, you knew everything, didn't you? I did. I did. The older I got, the dumber I got, right? But when I was 17, I knew everything there was to know. Thank God social media did not exist when I was 17. I wouldn't be alive today. Joseph was 17 years old. He often tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. <laughs> but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So don't miss this. Joseph stuck. Joseph stuck in a system where I'll always be number 11. And he's got a dead-end job, working for his half-brothers. I mean... This is, Joseph was not in an ideal place doing the ideal. Joseph was not living in immeasurably more than all he could ever ask or imagine. Joseph was not second in He wasn't second in command. Not only was he not second in command over, he wasn't even second in command in his own family. He was stuck in a position that if it, something supernatural didn't happen, he would always be there, which is how some of us feel Sometimes on a day, we look at our life, we look at the last three months, we look at the next three months, and we go, I'm stuck. I'm stuck here. 
and there's no, I'm, I'm stuck and I'm single. I'm stuck and I'm anxious. I'm stuck and I'm depressed. I'm stuck and I'm worried. I'm stuck and I don't have a job. And we talk about how stuck we are and we feel like we're so stuck that nothing can ever get us out of the pit that we wind up in. But that's where God moves. It, it's so crazy. Jacob loved Joseph, which is awesome to be loved by your dad more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. Beautiful robe. Now, if you've got any Bible background, this is Joseph's coat of many colors, and he wears it. And we've always kind of admired Joseph for wearing the coat of many colors, but don't miss this. That coat that he wore that was beautiful identified him with the system that he was stuck in. As long as he wore that coat, as long as he wore that coat, he was always going to be number 11. It, it, it was a label that his father put on him that on the surface looked good, but it didn't benefit him. You ever labeled yourself? Have you let anybody label you? I mean, we all have. That's not the point of the message. I didn't even say that in the first service. That just happened. But his brothers hated Joseph. Hold on. He's number 11. He's not a threat. But his brothers hated him. Hated hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. He, there, there's, one, there's a word that appears in verse 4, verse 5 that sticks out. There's a word that... that, that Verse 4, verse 5 sticks out. It rhymes with great. The word is hate. Listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care what industry you're in. If you want to be great, you got to be able to handle hate. Period. I don't care if you're an artist. I don't care if you're a musician. I don't care if you're a mechanic. If you're great, you're going to get hate. And the greater things you accomplish, the more hate that's going to come your way. Joseph had a dream of doing something great, and his brothers gave him nothing but hate. Now, one of the, one of the craziest things in the world, one of the, one of the biggest things that stresses people out in our society today, one of the biggest stressors is there are people in this room that you allow the hate that comes through this device to hijack your emotions for the rest of the day. People that don't even know you taking pot shots at you and you allow it to hijack your joy and rob the potential of your future because Bible Boy 182 said, I just made that up. I don't, I don't know if that's real. I'll give, you, I'll give you an illustration. This morning I got up. I, I get up. At, I get up at four on Sundays and kind of do my thing, kind of get in a run or whatever. I did, and, and, and this morning I pull up Twitter, and there's a guy that had a negative comment about me on Twitter. And I was like, you know what? I just want to see who this guy is. So I pull yeah, This is what's beautiful about it. So I pulled him up, and I was like, oh, you're like, some, he, he tweets at the president all the time, president of the United States. Now, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your political view is. Donald Trump isn't paying attention to your tweets. He's not. He's not. There's somebody in this room going, no, he reads mine. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. 
but, but, but let's, say, let's say hypothetically that we're having lunch, and I told you, I said, I'm having back problems. You said, really? I said, yeah, it's, it's hurting. I can't, I can't quite get it. I mean, it's just always hurting. And you said, well, walk me through your day. Walk me through your day. I'm like, well, every single day I get up and I strap on a 200-pound backpack. And then I walk out there and, and you'd stop me and you'd go, you know what? I think I just discovered your problem. What's that? It's the 200-pound backpack, 200 backpack. No, 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 that's not it. You would know that's the problem. If I'm strapping out on a 200-pound backpack and carrying it throughout the day, you would know you're carrying too much weight. You've got to let that go. Some people in this room, some people watching on this line, you're carrying too much weight. You need to let this go. People that don't know you can't define you. They don't like my picture. You know what? They don't like anybody's picture. If you want to be great, and this doesn't come from me. It comes from what Jesus said. Jesus, he's really awesome guy. Did some cool stuff. That whole death to life thing was amazing. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 7, verse 33. For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread, which he was paleo. All right, there we go. Or drinking wine, which he was obviously Baptist. Um, and you say, <laughs> and let's be honest, John the Presbyterian would have been hammered. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. <laughs> and you say, he's possessed by a demon. Now, he's talking to the religious leaders. Here comes John the Baptist, and they're like, oh, he's demon possessed. And then Jesus says, the son of man, he's talking about himself, on the other hand, Feast and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners, but wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who, who follow it. In other words, Jesus said, you can't please everybody. You, you can't please everybody. Joseph, Joseph was number 11. He was carrying the weight of hate. He was stuck in a system. How do you go from there to second command over Egypt? Well, he, he had, because second command of Egypt, can, can we admit that would be a mountaintop experience? Okay, one of the things, though, we got to understand is to get to the mountain, we do have to walk through a valley. And sometimes, sometimes that valley is hell on earth. It, Genesis, and the author of Genesis tells us when Joseph's brothers saw him coming. Now, let me pause and tell you what happened up until this point. One day, Jacob, Joseph's dad, told Joseph, who was number 11, you need to go check on your brothers, and they're supposed to be at point A. They're supposed to be at this location. So Joseph goes to this location, and they're not there. And so Joseph was like, well, my father told me to find my brothers. So he starts asking around different people in the, in the area. And they said, oh, we heard your brothers say they're going here. And so Joseph finally finds out where his brothers are going, and he heads in that direction, which just I want to pause and just point out the metaphor here. Joseph was doing what his father told him to do, period. Joseph was doing what his father told him to do. At the end of the day, being a follower of Christ is, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I want, I want to be surrendered to you. Whatever you say to start doing, I'm going to start doing it. Whatever you say to stop doing, I'm going to stop doing it. I want to do what my heavenly father tells me to do. But do you know that sometimes our heavenly father will lead us through tough times? I didn't say two tough times. I said through tough times. In my own experience, God has never led me to a tough time. He's led me through it. And if you feel like God has led you to it and not through it, well, you're just on the way. You're on your way through it. Joseph's doing what the father, and the reason I want to bring this up is because a lot of times people go, 
Well, if you're, if you're doing good things, then good things happen to you. And if you do bad things, then bad things happen to you. And that's so wrong. Bad things really do happen to good people. Joseph, all he's doing is being obedient. Now watch this. His brothers saw him coming, and they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Bit extreme? Now, I, I like scaring people. Just, just a little confession here. I like scaring people. It's fun. I love scaring people. If you scare me, I'll punch you in the throat. But, like, but I like... And I won't mean to, it's just a reaction. I did. I punched somebody one time when they scared me, and it, I, and it scared me. But I remember one time I was, <laughs> I was working in this office, and I was like, I'm going to scare that girl right there. I said, y'all watch this. this is, but, and I go, and I got under her desk, and I got, like, as small as I could get, which I'm 6'6", six, six, so I can't get that small. But I'm under her desk, and she never saw me. She came, and she sat down and started typing on the computer, and I grabbed both of her heels at the t- same time and, sh- and shouted as loud as I could, ah! <laughs> and then she said it, and then she did it, basically, is what happened next. And if you don't get that, you can just ask a friend later on. But I love scaring people. Like, that's fun for me. That's fun. But killing somebody? I mean, when you're, when you're that angry, not only, not only are you going to, it's not like a crime of passion. No, no, no. They're going to plan the murder. Let, let's, let's kill him. He's number 11. Like, what threat is he? Let's kill him. Here, here comes the dreamer. They said, come, come on, let's, let's kill him. There it is again. And throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes, becomes of his dreams. This is crazy. They're going to they're gonna kill him, and then they're going to lie about him. They're going to kill him, and then they're going to lie about him. Let's, let's make it, let's get, they're going to turn their back on him, and they're going to lie about him. Has anybody ever turned their back on you and then lied about you? I mean, it was, they, they used to be ride or die. You ever heard that expression, ride or die, ride or die? But they don't have to ride anymore with you if they killed you, right? And I'm just saying for the person that feels like somebody turned their back on you, walked away, and left you for dead, listen to me and listen real close. Right now it hurts. Five or ten years from now, you're going to realize God did you a favor. God did you a favor. Here's the reason I say that. It's because sometimes we can see the attack coming. Sometimes we can feel the attack coming. Sometimes we can feel it's just impending, like the weight is weighing down on us. But the prophet said in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, no weapon turned against you will succeed, period. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, notice this. The Bible never says that the weapon will not be formed against you. It just says it won't succeed. I was thinking about it um, when I was preparing this message. I've had a knife pulled on me once. Like, not, not like fun, like legitimate, serious, something bad could happen here. I've had a knife pulled on me once. I've had a gun pulled on me twice. Don't ask what I was doing. I'll tell you next year when I'm 50, all right? Remember, 50 unfiltered. <laughs> 
but legit, and I'm not talking about playing, I'm talking about legit something bad could happen here. But even though the knife was pulled and the gun was pointed, they didn't prosper. They didn't succeed. And if you feel like the enemy's coming against you, you, you know what the problem is so many times, and I know I have this in my life, we'll talk more about what the devil's doing in our life than what God is doing in our life. If the enemy has formed a weapon against you, Scripture says it will not prosper. Because their plan, this is their plan. Kill Joseph, throw him in a pit. Kill Joseph, throw him in a pit. But the author of Genesis goes on to tell us, but when Reuben heard of their schemes, y'all know Reuben, he did this and he went on and established a very successful sandwich franchise. Reuben heard of their scheme. He came to Joseph's, as a joke by the way, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. And, and, and this sounds good on the surface, but at the end of the day, if Reuben rescues Joseph from this bad thing he's going to go through, guess what? Joseph's still stuck in number 11, hated, and he never makes it to Egypt. So, what happens next is, when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was. Can you imagine how confused he was? Hey, guys, how's it going? How's your mama in there? Oh, snap. I mean, it, things go bad, quick, so bad that they strip the, the robe off of Joseph. Then they grabbed him and threw him into a cistern, which is like a, just a, a well in the ground. So they strip him naked and they throw him in the ground. Now, the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it, which meant it was gross. Now, probably about in 2000, 2001, I kind of got into reality TV a little bit. Remember when Survivor first came out? You remember? Man, I, I watched the first season, and I was so into it. Like, I was, I was in on Survivor. Now they got Survivor like season 942. They've survived everywhere. You know what, Survivor? Try Honeopath and see how you do there. Because I, I would love to, I would watch that. But <laughs> you ain't from around here, are you, son? Um, so I've tried to keep up with all the reality shows that, that have happened. Um, and, and I love them. They're great concepts. But the one that I can't get, I can't get past it, the one I can't get past is Naked and Afraid. Because let's be honest, with most of us in this room, if we're naked, somebody's afraid. I mean, that's just, I, just the way it is. Na like, like, who thought of that? Like, what producer was like, you know what, I think we need a TV show with naked people that are scared? <laughs> well, I growing up, I call that Saturday night. But like, not, like what the... I actually had a conversation with somebody that thought, I tried to get on that show. I <laughs> mean, ain't nobody want to see your junk for 21 days. That's the grossest thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't want to know if you watch it. Because in my mind, I will judge you just a little bit, all right? But I'm <laughs> some of you are like, where is he going with this? It's, it's very, in this pit. Joseph didn't have to go on a reality TV show. He was legitimately naked and afraid. Stripped of his robe. The only thing in this world that he had. Stripped. 
naked and afraid in a pit without hope in a pit in a pit you ever felt like you're in a pit yeah Yeah. I I still want the shirt that says pit happens (laughs) it does you're in deep pit oh pit some of y'all like you're just trying to shake us I'll say them if I want to say them don't worry don't worry it's a pit Joseph's in a pit, naked and afraid, in a pit. Now, here's the question. What, what verse did we start out with? Was it Genesis 41, 41 that said Joseph was what in command? He was second in command over the entire nation of Egypt. But here he's in a pit. And oftentimes when we're in the pit, we see the pit as punishment. But in this story, and in your story, the pit is not punishment. It's a promotion. Because God had to get him out of the system he was locked in, and he used a pit to do it. God had to strip him of everything that he knew so he could step into something brand new. And God used a pit to get him to the palace. So for the person here that feels like you are, you've been stripped down of your dignity, you've been stripped, you've lost something that you thought you would always have, people have walked away from you that you thought they would always be in your life and you are in a pit, that's not punishment, that's promotion. God's getting ready to take you somewhere that is beyond your, and you don't feel it when you're in the pit. That's why you got to learn to say I'm on the way. I'm on the way. Because here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. And this is what I've had to keep in mind during all this corona craziness stuff. That God really is in control. He really is in control. This is my favorite. If if, if God's so good, why didn't he wipe out all the evil in the world? Because you and I would get wiped out as soon as he made that decision. Uh, Seriously. I'm not evil. (laughs) Let me hold your phone for a minute. Let me hold your phone for a minute. This is, this is where I love. and This is where we're going to end today. We'll pick it back up next week. Then, just as they, the brothers, were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to where? Egypt and his brothers instead of killing him sold him to slave traders you ever felt like that you get out of the pit and it's like out of the pit straight to prison you ever feel like you saw the light at the end of the tunnel yes and it's a train and it just kind of mows you over can you imagine Joseph naked and afraid They pull him out of the pit. There's a little bit of hope. And the next thing you know, he sold. He sold as a slave for 20 shekels of silver. But then the slave traders take him to Egypt, where he winds up eventually becoming second in command. Don't miss this. If he don't go through the hate, 
and he don't get stripped of his robe and he's not naked and afraid in the pit and he don't get sold into slavery he never makes it where God ultimately had for him I'm not saying I'm, I'm not trying to minimize any of the hell that anybody's been through I'm just saying it's not punishment God's preparing you for a promotion you may not be where you want to be right now but by God's grace you're on the way I, you're in a pit right now and you're confused but you're on the way people abandon you but that's all right if they can walk away from you let them walk because you're on your way to what God has for you if it hurts I know it hurts but at the end of the day you're on the way if you're tired don't give up because you're on the way if you're struggling don't give in because you're on the way somebody here needs to hear this from the Lord today you are on the way you're not stuck you are on the way to immeasurably more than all God could all you could ever ask or imagine you need to understand in fact when you walk out today you need to say I'm on the way I'm on the way today I'm on the way and I know that I'm gonna see a victory I know I'm gonna see a victory I know I'm gonna see a victory